0: There's a difference in the way you think about these things whether you think about you know, choosing a career and that's most of the language and most of the books and uh, counseling that you have today you know, choose, what, what are you going to choose? It's choosing a career and being called to a career it's two very different things
1: That was Dr. Gene Edward Veith, provost and professor of literature at Patrick Henry College in Virginia, former culture editor of World Magazine and uh, well-known author and speaker uh, who has contributed his thought on topics as uh, diverse as Christianity and culture. He's talked about classical education, literature, the arts, and uh, most importantly for our purposes today on Radio Free Acton. he's talked a lot about faith and work. And we are going to get to our interview with him in just a bit. First of all, though, let me welcome you to the podcast of the Acton Institute for the Study of Religion and Liberty. My name is Mark Vandermoss. Always good to be with you on our podcast here on Radio Free Acton. I want to take a moment before we get to our interview to point out a couple of events coming up on our jam-packed event calendar here at the Acton Institute. I've mentioned before on Radio Free Acton, we have probably our busiest event calendar that we've ever had at Act in uh, in terms of uh, public lectures and and th- and things of that nature. Uh, here, we we've got our busiest three or four month period I think in the history of the Institute this year. Uh, And we've already had some great lectures uh, so far, and we've got a few great ones coming up that I want to make sure you're aware of uh, so you can get registered for them quickly because they are filling up fast. First of all, April 9th, 2015. Doors are opening at 6.30. Presentation begins at 7. It is Oz Guinness. Oz Guinness is a longtime social critic, author, thinker. He has 30 books to his credit as either author or editor. His latest book is the subject of his lecture on the ninth, which is Renaissance, The Power of the Gospel, However Dark the Times. Oz Guinness will be coming to Grand Rapids, Michigan here at the Mark Murray Auditorium to talk to us. Please do, if you're interested in heading to this event, if you're interested in registering, do it now. It's filling up fast. Head over to acton.org slash events and get yourself registered for this event. There will be a great presentation from Oz Guinness, a book signing, and it's going to be a a wonderful night here at the Acton Building. Uh, We also have another evening event coming up, and this is a co-sponsored event with our friends from the Mackinac Center for Public Policy. If you don't know who Mackinac is or what they're about, check out their website at mackinac.org. And for those of you who are not uh, from Michigan, you should know that Mackinac is spelled M-A-C-K-I-N-A-C. The Mackinac Center at mackinaw.org They're co-sponsoring an event with us on April 14th. Doors opening at 6 p.m. Event begins at 6.30. The lecture is titled, Is Big Business a Danger to Economic Liberty? And the man behind the lecture is Timothy P. Carney, who is the senior political columnist at the Washington Examiner. He's also a visiting fellow at the American Enterprise Institute. He has two books to his credit, and he will be here speaking on that topic. Once again, April 14th. Doors open at 6. Head over to acton.org slash events to register for these events and a whole bunch of other good stuff there as well to check out. So please do that right now. I am joined on the phone today by Dr. Gene Edward Veith. He is provost and professor of literature at Patrick Henry College in Purcellville, Virginia. He's Responsible over there for academic affairs and student affairs. He's the author of many books, uh, 20, as far as I can tell, on a variety of topics, including Christianity and culture, classical education, literature and the arts. He's a widely respected speaker. And uh, most recently, uh, for our purposes, he was here at the Acton Institute as part of the 2015 Acton Lecture Series, talking about the actual Protestant ethic and the spirit of capitalism. And Dr. Veith, I want to thank you for taking the time out of your busy schedule to join us today on Radio Free Acton. How are you
0: today? Oh, good. It's my pleasure.
1: Well, let's uh, let's get right into it. I, I guess the the uh, the background of the questions that I'll ask. I was raised in a uh, in a Protestant family. I was uh, a member of the Christian Reformed Church growing up, and. Uh, When you're in a a Reformed family, one of the things that's kind of part of the background of your life is the Protestant ethic. You hear about it, it's just there, but you don't often, I suppose you don't often think about it. Can you help us to define, what what do we mean when we talk about the Protestant ethic? Where does that come from?
0: Well, it really came from... Uh, Gray, very important, one of the founders of social science itself as a discipline. Max Weber, who wrote the book called The Protestant Ethic and the Spirit of Capitalism, and he noted that capitalism really began about the time of the Protestant Reformation. Uh, not only that, it really flourished in the Protestant countries, uh, especially of Northern Europe, uh, and America, um, England, Germany, um, Scandinavia, and the like. And so he wrote this study arguing that the Protestant doctrine of vocation, which made ordinary human labor, gave uh, gave it a a religious value, uh, really was one of the main uh, reasons that capitalism flourished. Now, he he makes all kinds of uh, uh, conclusions and deals with all kinds of evidence about this. But, uh, for example, he says that the Protestant merchants, especially the Puritans, were very hesitant about any kind of conspicuous consumption. So when they made money, they saved it. Whereas the merchants in Italy and other Catholic countries, they tended to build themselves a big palace so that they could be like the nobility uh, of their time. But the Puritans, they didn't like to spend their money, so they saved it, and they invested it, and their wealth was turned into capital, and you have the modern banking system. So he has all kinds of conclusions about that, but he he felt that Protestantism gave a special value to human labor and to economic activity.
1: Do you think he was right on that? I I guess the question is these things that, that Protestantism brought to the forefront, they were always there. Were they not? Mm -hmm. Is it just just something that – is there a legitimate case to be made that the Protestant Reformation brought these things to the forefront more than the prior church had
0: done? Well, yes and no. Uh, Here's what I think he got right, and here's what I think he got wrong. Um, it, It is true that in the Middle Ages, there was a big dichotomy between the lay estates and the spiritual estates. And if you're really going to be a Christian, if you really were very religious, you would renounce the world and go into a monastery or or a convent. And the word vocation, uh, which means calling, uh, if you had a calling, that meant you would go into the church vocations, and you would make a vow. You would make vows. You'd make a vow of celibacy, that you would not get married or be a or be a parent. Um, you take a vow of poverty, which meant you wouldn't be involved in ordinary economic activity. Uh, you take a vow of obedience, which meant you would. Uh, you were only subject to the laws of the church and not to the state. Uh, and so, people who were in the in, in the lay occupations, that was seen as kind of a lesser thing. Certainly necessary for. Um, the survival of the human race, but it was secondary. Now, what the Reformation did, particularly Martin Luther, was was to say, no, all of the areas of life are arenas for God's calling, for vocation. Uh, instead of rejecting marriage and parenthood, marriage and parenthood are callings from God also, just as the monastic uh, vocations are. Um, economic activity is not just worldly. That, too, has to do with your calling from God. Um, the, The obedience, you also... God has placed us in societies and communities and nations, and we have a vocation of citizenship. And so what happened was a revaluing of kind of ordinary social and economic life, that what most people do, uh, are engaged in, and right, I've always been engaged in, mm-hmm. but it gave mm-hmm. him a religious significance, so that you're calling in your family, you're calling as a citizen, you're calling as a worker, uh, with the specific talents and opportunities God gave you, whether you or a cobbler who made shoes, or a farmer who raised food, or a lawyer, or a a ruler, or a knight. Whatever these are, these are ways that God has prepared for you to serve. And so because it gave a religious significance to it it encouraged a lot of energy a lot of there 's a lot of value to it. People embraced it, people worked hard, people followed their talents and there was certainly a huge social mobility associated with uh, with all of this and um, so I think that the the President army did have an impact on the the economic uh, development of the of the West, and where Max Weber got wrong though is the mechanism for it. He assumed that the nature of the Reformation was the essence of it was predestination that people were chosen by God and given faith, and if they weren 't chosen, then they had no hope and he gets into this Psychological speculation he says that people must have lived under a very stressful kind of uh, kind of mindset and, and he reasoned that the reason Protestants worked so hard uh, so to speak, was that they were trying to prove their election that if they were <laughs> successful in their business, that showed that God was blessing them, and if God was blessing them. Therefore, they must be of the elect. And so he felt that people were you know, working so hard in their business, growing up, it, growing it, making all this money as a way to convince themselves of God's favor. Now, I don't see any of that in the Reformation writers or the records. Uh, I mean, they do talk about God's blessings, obviously. But the Reformation was not about saving yourself by your works. Uh, In fact, that was the whole uh, thing they were reacting against. Almost precisely the opposite. Well, right, you're saved by grace. And and, and Weber's problem was that he missed Luther, who was the great theorist of vocation. who developed a very different kind of uh, approach to vocation, which certainly had implications on economics and on the Christian life in general, but it was very different from what Weber was saying it was. Um, yeah, you know, for Luther, vocation is the way God works through human beings. It's the way God takes care of his creation. Um, to use some of Luther's Examples, uh, you know, when when we pray the Lord's Prayer, we ask God to give us this day our daily bread, and He does give us our daily bread, but He does it through the work of farmers who grew the grain, the baker, the millers who turned it into flour, the the bakers who baked it, the the people who prepared our meal, and we we pray before God, thank, uh, before our meal, thanking God for our food and right to do so, but he's using human beings doing ordinary things in the ordinary economy to provide the food that we need to live. And Luther saw everything in those terms. Vocation, he said, is a mask of God. God is hidden in vocation. God is working in human labor. Um, again, Luther, to uh, his other examples, uh, you know, he creates new life and cares for new life through the vocation of mothers and fathers and the vocations of the family he protects us uh, says in Romans 13 through the vocation of the lawful authorities mm-hmm. uh, he uh, these more modern examples when somebody we care about is sick we pray for them that God would heal them and he does heal them very often But he usually does it through the vocation of doctors and nurses and pharmacists and anesthesiologists and the whole medical profession. And so Luther saw work in terms of God working through human beings and God inviting human beings and equipping them, giving them the talents and the abilities and the opportunities and calling them into his great work to to preserve and care for his creation the other big teaching that luther offered which i think is more than max weber's uh, you know proving your election to be the motivating factor for vocation was what luther taught about vocation in the christian life he said that the purpose of every vocation is to love and serve your neighbor and that Our relationship to God, you know, we're told to love God with all our heart and soul and mind and strength and to love our neighbors as ourselves. That's the law and the prophets, according to Jesus. And Luther said that our relationship to God is based solely on his love for us, his grace for us, what he does for us in Christ, not our works. He said, said, God doesn't need our good works, but he said, our neighbor does. God needs nothing. Our neighbor has lots of needs. And in our, when God brings us into his kingdom through his grace, he then sends us out into our callings, into our vocations, to live out our faith in the ordinary occupations of the world. And so in our vocations in the family, husbands and wives, in those vocations, they love and serve each other. Parents love and serve their children. Uh, workers love and serve their customers by giving them good uh, good products and by uh, working hard for them, good services. And the picture of the economy becomes this, this exchange of people doing things for each other, um, loving and serving each other. To be sure, they're, they're profiting and their they're, uh, wealth is accumulating. But that becomes the 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 byproduct of really this Christian life of love and service.
1: I'm speaking with Dr. Gene Veith of Patrick Henry College. We're talking about vocation and the Protestant ethic. Dr. Veith, I, I want to ask you a kind of a practical question because you're an educator. You've been uh, working in the in academia for years. Um, and a lot of people. the the the, the wonderful thing about the, the the idea of vocation is that everything can be a service to God. Um, everything that we can do has meaning. But the the question that a lot of young people face, and I know I faced this when I was a young man uh, looking at college, um, and I face it now as, as a father of young children, and, and I look at their future. Uh, how do you how do you find that thing that uh, that that meaningful work that uh, that you're created to do. You obviously deal with a lot of students, and mm-hmm. you find you talk- you talked in your in your lecture here at Acton about students who maybe just look for a, for a career that'll pay a lot of money, or they 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 look for something that maybe they think they would like to do, but they're not good at it. It, it can be mm-hmm. difficult to kind of discern that that career calling or that thing that um, that uh, that you are, are meant to do. In your life that the, 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 that you use the particular talents that you have, how do you advise your students? how do you advise parents who are looking to send their children off to college and uh, and, and to find that meaningful career how, do, how does How does one do
0: that well th- th- there 's a difference in the way you think about these things, whether you think about you know choosing a career and that 's most of the language and most of the books and uh, counseling that you have today, you know, choose, what, what are you going to choose? It's choosing a career and being called to a career. It's two very different things. If you just think of it in terms of your choice, the assumption is, well, you can be anything you want to be. And we tell our kids that. And, you know, people, uh, students will research what uh, jobs uh, are going to be in demand when they graduate and what the pay scale is and, and kind of look at things that way. But if if you look at that in terms of something that God has equipped you to do and is calling you to do, it's kind of different. I mean, if you think of God's calling, you have to look at your talents and your abilities and your skills and your interests as well as your opportunities and, and see those things as coming from God's hands. A uh, person who doesn't have, you might want to be a, an accountant because that's that's a good field. But if they're no good at math, they're not going to be a good a good uh, accountant. And, and they have to look at their, their 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 personal gifts. Now, obviously, you still have a lot of choices to make in college, but but but. Here's another thing about vocation. It really emphasizes ordinary things and that God's manifested through ordinary things as well as um, you know extraordinary miracles, which we often uh, prefer uh, as Christians. But vocation is in the here and now. So I try to first get students to know that right now, you are where God has brought you you have a calling right now, maybe it's as a college student, and the proper work of a college student is to study, uh, but maybe you also are working at McDonald's to pay your way through. Look at that as a way to love and serve your neighbors your- your, your fellow workers, your bosses, your customers if you're not providing a good or service that helps somebody or that benefits someone. You want to stay in business, you know whatever that is, and so the ordinary tasks of life. These are these are, are calling. Now you'll be called to other things later, but don't get ahead of yourself. What is your calling? What are your multiple callings? Right now, Now try to help them get 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 that sense. And later things will happen. You'll, you'll, you may get a summer job. You may get an internship that leads to full-time employment. A lot of what we do in getting a job, frankly, is out of our hands. Very true. It, it's not up to us completely. It's up Again, exter- a calling is external to us. When you get a job offer from someone else, from a company, okay, that's coming from outside yourself, and that's sort of calling you into that work. And it may be that God is using that to get you into that kind of profession. But so God brings you where he wants you to be. Uh, in, in a way, it, that convocation kind of you know, encourages the Protestant work ethic, as we've seen, but it also can take a lot of the pressure off. Because you can understand and, and be freely understand that whatever you find yourself to do, the doors that open, the doors that slam in your face, these are all ways God has of bringing you to the arena of service that he has for you.
1: Dr. Veth, I want to thank you for taking the time to talk with us today. It, it's very, uh, very illuminating, and we appreciate you taking the time. I know you have a very busy schedule, and uh, it's great to talk to you again.
0: Well, same here. Appreciate it.
1: Well, that is our podcast, folks, and uh, thank you so much for joining us. I want to once again thank Dr. Gene Edward Veith at Patrick Henry College. He's a very busy man, and it's uh, very gracious of him to take some time to talk with us today. We do appreciate that. If you're interested in diving a little bit more into the topics we talked about today, I'd encourage you to check out uh, Acton's YouTube channel or our SoundCloud channel as well for streaming audio or video, depending on which you prefer, of Dr. Veith's recent Acton Lecture Series Lecture. That one was titled The Actual Protestant Ethic and the Spirit of Capitalism. Dr. Beeth went into a little bit more detail than we could today on a a relatively short podcast. Uh, So there's lots more where today's podcast came from. Also want to encourage you to check out the Acton Institute Power Blog at blog.acton.org. Lots of good stuff posted there on a daily basis for your edification. News, information, and commentary from an Acton perspective. And I want to thank you once again for joining us on Radio Free Acton, the podcast of the Acton Institute. We will have more editions coming your way, so stay tuned, and we'll see you later. Thank you so much, everybody. Have a great day.